Really Dad, the podcast. Hello, welcome back to Really Dad, a show where me and my father talk about general things in our lives to try and help you through your lives. Today, we're going to be uh, talking about friendship and how you can make and keep friends. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, if you've listened to any of our previous episodes, we focus on you know communication and understanding and just giving some insight on how to communicate with your teenager, your younger kids, and how, how to build trust, all of those things. We've got some uh, cool episodes prior, uh, but today, yeah, well, each time we sit down and talk, I always ask Max, what do you want to talk about? And uh, he wrote down friendship. So, um, you want to start us off? Sure. Uh, uh, humans are very like a communicative species. Uh, like dogs, uh, we need to have that connection with other people to help us survive, to like get through life. Because mm-hmm. many studies have showed that if you are alone your entire life, you're a lot more likely to be diagnosed with depression. And in some cases, you're more likely to catch diseases, get sick. And it, overall, it's just you're more of an unhealthy person without uh, those connections to other human beings. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really interesting if you, you know, in the reading and the um, it's not so much in the science, in like the sociology and the uh, anthropology of humanity. These concepts are kind of played with, but they've been debunked. This idea that humans are incredibly selfish, yeah, that it's survival of the fittest, and that you know humans in the past have only focused on themselves. And you know, this whole idea, you know, it kind of stems and was misinterpreted through. Uh, Darwin's uh, theory of evolution mm-hmm. that we're always constantly trying to outwit one another and steal and take each other's, you know, s- spouses and stuff. Yeah. So we can have more and more babies and, you know, that we're this incredibly greedy species, which isn't true. We are moving towards that more and more because this false narrative of who we are as humans has been sold to us through capitalism and, you know, not that capitalism is bad, but this idea that, you know, more and more and more and more. Yeah. Where for, you know, 99.9% of humanity's existence, we are always very, you know, connected and sharing and generous. Yeah. And humans are only really selfish outside of our circles, you know, it's, we usually only take from the environment. We don't steal from each other. There's, there's, uh, I recently been reading the selfish gene and, uh, it talks about how things are naturally selfish because that's the only way they could evolve and to be alive. But inside of groups, there is an, uh, altruism to help the group. Now, how big that group grows is, uh, a bl- a blurry subject mm-hmm. but we do know that humans aren't naturally violent towards other humans because we want to because to grow as a species you have to help your species yeah yeah we're and that's the thing that separates humanity from you know every other species really 
And not that other animals don't work in packs and support one another, but it's the cooperation yeah. of humans that has helped us to get to the point we're at. Mm-hmm. Like the communication. Yeah. Yeah. Communication, cooperation, and, you know, sharing all those, those concepts and tools to help lift everyone and, and make those connections. Yeah. Very interesting. You know, we've, uh, you know, in Malcolm Gladwell's book, the, the, is it the tipping point? Yeah. Tipping point where he talks about how, uh, we as humans, particularly a group of like 150 is like the max of like a tribe right. that works really well together. Um, it can go up to about 500, but that's like the maximum number. Mm-hmm. And usually that 150 is like ideal. And the connections and the friendships and the support within that number is really good. And of course, now we've grown so big and where we were in, you know, small tribes or small villages, things like this. Now it's like the millions of oh, connections. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that can't be sustained. Mm-hmm. We can't, um, well, that those those relationships and connections can't be sustained. Yeah. The, the kindness and cooperation, it still can be done. But, um, you know. You can't talk with that many people. No. And, and you can't connect. It's, yeah. it's, you know, so difficult. It takes a special person, I think, to even remember all those names. Mm-hmm. So within those tight-knit groups, that, that friendship and connection is really what helps uh, not only to survive, but to thrive. Um, you know, it's interesting. I read a book quite a few years ago about um, Native American healing. And within it, it talks about whether it's, you know, someone's feeling depressed or someone's feeling you know, hurt or anxiety, whatever those symptoms are, they talk about, uh, okay, we're all going to get together and give you some medicine. Mm-hmm. And to them, everything was medicine, but they would use uh, like a dance and song and all these things to help that person heal. Because when you're feeling that way, it's because you're feeling disconnected and alone. And when we are, you know, connected to others and, you know, feel that, that friendship and support and love from others, then that loneliness goes away and that connection and collaboration lifts us up and makes us feel better. Yeah. It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so do, how, how has it been for you? Like making friends? Like when can you remember the first friend you made? No, I have a horrible memory. <laughs> can you we've talked about this before yeah i can remember my first like friends i for me it started with like neighbor kids right right so uh two doors down there was a, a kid from fiji that we hung out with and played with um across the alley there was two young uh native kids that we played with um ali and nicole i think and then um, and then, you know, around the streets, then there's kids that I started meeting that we went to kindergarten with right later. Right. And we started kind of building friendships. And there are those kids that we kind of played with, you know, in the community and every day, they're friends. Right. Um, you know, for me, like making that connection to, okay, who's my best friend? Mm-hmm. You know, when did I get a best friend? And I don't know. I think it changed a lot. I think um, like the friends that I hung out with in high school, 
I knew since I was five. Right. You know, luckily I lived kind of pretty much in the same place most of my life. And those friends, we all kind of hung out with right up until we graduated. So, you know, and, and, and why did I always have those friends? Cause I was terrible at making friends. Right. <laughs> so you just stick with those same friends. Mm-hmm. Like my best friend, Joe, who we'd been close with since we were very young, you know, at times Joe's a bit of a douchebag. Right. Like I could never share secrets with him cause he would tell everybody cause he just thought it was funny. Right. And he'd set me up and, you know, do things. He was, you know, a bit of a prankster at times, but and, you know, so there's times where I probably felt like, why am I still friends with him? I've had those moments too. Yeah. yeah but you're like, well, I'm not great at making friends. And sometimes you just have to bite the bullet and like cut off that relationship. Yeah. And, you know, I, but I, I will always say that, you know, the positive things in that relationship and the things that Joe did for me, you know, outweighed all of that. Right. Like, I lived with him for part of the time in high school. Like he's a great guy. He always looked out for me. You know, he had some weird ways of showing friendship, but he was a good guy. Um, but I can remember, so again, I was lucky having those friends for a long time, but then developing a friendship when we moved to BC, when my parents moved, that was hard. Right. That was really hard. I don't think I had any friends for like initially, like I joined a football team in the area and made some friends, but I just, I did not like the coach. You know, I just didn't vibe right with the whole thing. I don't know what was about it. So I actually quit the team and I had played football for a number of years before that, but, and I continued after, but I just, so anyway, I left the team and that was weird because right. there was a period where I didn't have any friends for a while, just hung out with my brother. And, um, the only way I ended up kind of meeting anyone is I joined the rowing team. Oh, and that was, I never connected really with any of those kids but it was someone to hang out with and something to do yeah it's just nice to have that social group mm-hmm. yeah yeah because that's important you know and i eventually at the end of that first semester i moved back to calgary in alberta to be with those same friends i had that whole time right so i can say that you know i've never really been great at even as an adult i'm not super great at making friends right how about you I think I've gotten better at making friends Mm -hmm. because like I do have issues, but like, I know that I'm a good enough person that I can like attract nice people and make those connections Mm -hmm. because I've recently just made some new friends and uh, it's difficult starting out because you got to like, I don't know how to explain that because making new friends, you got to reading it you have to find out who that person is if you will work well with them yeah and that's difficult because you could go months being someone's friend and then find out like something about them that you just can't be friends with them because of that yeah and that's difficult but like sometimes you do just have to cut off those relationships mm-hmm. that's a mature thing to do yeah it's hard as a kid to do that mm-hmm. because Like I've had friend, you know, people in my past that, yeah, you just kind of, um, ghost them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We did, we couldn't ghost them through text. You just kind of stopped talking to them (laughs) and you still see them around. So it's weird, but you know, eventually kind of have to do that. And yeah, it's weird and difficult 
when you still see them every day. Mm-hmm. Um, you're nice. You're still polite. But that kind of friendship just kind of fizzles out because it's just not right for either of you. Yeah. And I've had friends like that. Like I remember I had one kid, Josh, that I hung out with grade seven a lot, a lot. I hung out with that kid. But it just – he just got – weirder and weirder and it just didn't fit not not that i wasn't weird but it got to a point where he was just yeah just the behaviors in us we didn't click anymore i was growing he wasn't or or vice versa i don't know but i just didn't work out and so there's nothing wrong with that Mm -hmm. you know um if we all stuck with the same friend group or tried to sometimes like sometimes it's better if you start all over and try and make new friends it'll be better in the long run yeah Totally. You know, I, um, I remember like as a missionary, when I served, you don't really, you know, you don't, it's not really a place to make friends Mm -hmm. because you're just, it's just not the environment. You can't hang out and really do anything fun. But I met my absolute soulmate best friend there right, with Andy and, you know, um, even though, and what's cool about a relationship like Andy and I, is, you know, we spent a lot of time together, you know, there for only about like three months, three or four months. Right. And then uh, I went home. We didn't really, you know, we talk on the phone every now and again. There was probably a period of two or three years where we didn't even talk on the phone. Right. Um, But then we we reconnected later. Um, You know, I, I contact, I connected with him, you know, when your mom and I separated just to have someone to talk to. Right. And it was like, uh, we just saw each other the day before. And that's what I like about Andy is it doesn't matter what is going on. We can, we always kind of reconnect. Right. It's consistent. And it's, you know, there's no awkwardness. There's no catching up. It's just right into it. And, and we have a great time. And, you know, someone like that. And, and those kind of friends are hard to find. Right. Like Andy's that for me. Crystal's that for me. And, Maybe that's why I don't have a whole lot of friends. <laughs> yeah, because like, I have two really amazing quality over friends. quantity. Yeah. And, you know, they fill my life up pretty good. And, you know, with, uh, you know, our family and my work, you know, but I don't think it ever gets easier. Mm-hmm. You know, it's probably easiest when you're a young kid to make friends because there's no awkwardness. There's no barriers. There's no, you know, uh, rules as a kid Mm -hmm. but as you get older then there's these like it can get a little awkward making friends right um there's uh uh let me just i just want to show share this with you with everyone now this is a a video but um you'll be able to hear everything this is one of my favorite authors uh johan hari right okay he's a journalist slash like uh he's not a um you know, a sociologist or scientist or anything. He's just a smart journalist that right. gets all those people to get the information together. What's the video called? Uh, it's called The Antidote for Loneliness. Right. Okay. okay. So here, here's uh, Johan just uh, talking about this. We are the loneliest society there has ever been. There's a study that asks Americans, how many close friends do you have who you could call on in a crisis? And when they started doing it years ago, the most common answer was five. Today, the most common answer is none. I learned a lot about how this is affecting us from a man called Professor John Cassiopo, who was at the University of Chicago, one of the leading experts in the world about loneliness. He proved a few things. First thing he proved is that for a human being, 
being acutely lonely is as bad for your health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. If you become really lonely, that releases as much of the stress hormone cortisol as if you are punched in the face by a stranger. This is a terrible thing for us. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. So being lonely is as bad as if you're smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And you could, it could feel like you're getting punched in the face repeatedly. Or, or you'll develop the same amount of cortisol as if you're punched in the face by a stranger, like the shock that that puts you in. Right. But the, the damage, you know, is the same on what it does to your health. And, but not only physically, but also mentally. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's interesting that where in the past people would say, oh, yeah, five really close friends. And, you know, in the age where like you can talk to anyone instantly yeah. all over the world, yeah. we feel more lonely than ever. I know. And I think that's, of course, the pandemic's not helping yeah, because it's even harder to connect with people and look them in the eye and actually spend time with them. But that, um, that you know, that separation and the fact that you have a thousand friends on Facebook. Or, but like no true real but friends. But no friends because I, th- I, I think the issue is we're spending so much time maintaining all these superficial friendships mm-hmm. and maintaining like a, a, an artificial image of yourself online that you don't truly spend time to connect with people. Yeah. And then you don't really have that like real world connection or act to, you know, connect that person. Right. Like the thing with Andy and I is if either of us are going through anything, we call each other up right away and we talk about it and we help each other and kind of, you know, give each other advice and kind of counsel each other through it. And we have that, um, you know, and then there's like, I, I will say that I would imagine that, uh, you know, the women I know in my life, they're better at maintaining friendships because mm-hmm. women are usually, you know, uh, doing nice things for each other and, you know, going out of their way to, Give a little, you know, gifts or check up on them. Right, because that... Uh, do a kind act, things like that. Yeah, those acts are reinforced. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but those are the things that really, you know, make friendships work mm-hmm. is, you know... It's time, give and take. Yeah, time and care. Okay, anyway, let's continue to see what he has to say. And I asked Professor Cassiopeia, well, why is it? Why is it so devastating for us? And he said to me, why do you and I exist? One of the reasons we exist is because our ancestors on the savannas of Africa were really good at one thing. They weren't faster than the animals they took down a lot of the time. They weren't bigger than the animals they took down a lot of the time. But they were much better at banding together into tribes and cooperating. Just like bees evolved to need a hive, humans evolved to need a tribe. And we are the first human beings ever to try to live without tribes. It's making us feel terrible. Picture a a bee that decided it was going to live apart from the hive. It would go crazy. It would start acting in a way that was completely haywire. Now imagine telling that bee that it was feeling that way just because of a a pollen imbalance in its brain, right? You can... (laughs) I love that because that's what we were told, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, if you're feeling off, there's something wrong with you internally. Mm -hmm. You know, he... Johan Hari has a book called uh, The Seven Connections. And it's all about those seven external things in our lives that cause depression and anxiety. Right. You know, uh, you know, not having a job that you feel um, provides any worth to the world, you know, where you uh, not having um, control or decisions about your life. Right. You know, if, if you don't have access to 
have any control over your life or your circumstances. That makes you depressed. If you don't have, uh, if you don't serve or do things, you know, to help others, it leads to depression and anxiety. If you, um, you know, financially, you know, don't have the things you need to provide for your family at home, that causes depression. You know, there's all these like external things that um, we can't necessarily solve ourselves. Mm-hmm. That we need that tribe, we need that community to help us. And again, unfortunately, you know, the one concept that is particularly, um, you know, pushed in America is this like, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You know, you are the one, the, the American dream, you work hard, you get it. This uh, rugged individualism. Mm hmm. That it's your responsibility for everything. It's a lot more of an American nightmare. You know, it's... Yeah, it's not a dream. Because <laughs> having to rely on yourself for everything, yeah. having to catch yourself every time you fall, you're you're going to break your back, you know? Yeah. yeah. And see, this is the exact opposite of what many other countries are trying to say is that, no, no, no. It's our responsibility... To help each other. To care for the whole and the collective and the tribe and, you know... That's, again, why things are so divisive mm-hmm. down in the South is because it's this idea that, you know, you're responsible, you know, like, so the right has become this rugged individualism, selfish, it's all about me. Very I, I can solve my own problems. I don't need the government. I don't need, you know, all these things. Um, but yeah, many of them still rely on these, <laughs> you know, social things. But then the other side is, you know, we as a collective, we need unity. We need, um, you know, connection. Uh, we need, um, you know, a just and caring society. Mm-hmm. And, uh, on, you know, and it's this isn't a, a matter of opinion or, you know, choosing your own facts here. Our evolution and the way we have developed in our brains and our bodies and everything show us, no, we need each other. Mm-hmm. We need our tribe. We need our community. We need each other to, to be balanced and to thrive. And when we ignore that, it's t- to our own detriment. Yeah. Right, let's continue. That would be a bizarre way of thinking. So what I wanted to think about is given that loneliness is driving this epidemic of depression, anxiety, it's one of the nine factors I write about in my book, Lost Connections. What's the antidepressant for that, right? What do we do about that? And one of the heroes of my book, Lost Connections, is an amazing man called Dr. Sam Everington. And Sam was really uncomfortable because as a GP, he had loads of patients coming to him who were depressed and anxious. Like me, he's not opposed to chemical antidepressants. But he could see that they were taking the edge off for some people, but they weren't solving the problem for most of his patients. So he decided to pioneer a different approach. One day, a woman came to see him called Lisa Cunningham, who I got to know quite well. Sam said to Lisa, don't worry, I'll I'll carry on giving you these drugs. I'm also going to prescribe something else. I'm going to prescribe for you to take part in a group. First meeting they had, Lisa was literally physically sick with anxiety. But a couple of things happened. The first thing was Lisa noticed they had something to talk about that wasn't how shit they felt, right? Normally with depressed and anxious people, we either drug them or we give them places to talk about their distress, both of which have value. But in this case, they decided they were going to learn gardening. They decided they were going to get their fingers in the soil. There's a lot of evidence that exposure to the natural world is a really powerful antidepressant. The other thing that happened is as the weeks and months went by, 
they started to form a tribe. They started to get to know and care about each other. And they did what human beings do when we form tribes. They started to solve each other's problems. One of the guys in the group had been thrown out of his home and was sleeping on the bus. Everyone else was like, of course you're depressed and anxious if you're sleeping on a bus, right? They started to uh, pressure the local authority to get him a home. They succeeded. It was the first time they'd done something for someone else in years. It made them feel great. The way Lisa put it to me, as the garden began to bloom, we began to bloom. There was a study in Norway of a very similar program that found it was more than twice as effective as chemical antidepressants. I think for a simple reason, it was dealing with some of the reasons, the disconnection from other people, the disconnection from the natural world. The most effective ways of dealing with depression and anxiety are the ones that deal with the reasons why we feel so bad in the first place. I love that. You know, it reminds me, um, oh gee, 12, 17 years ago. Yeah, 17 years ago. So before you were born. Right. Probably even, no, 20 years ago. I was on the board of the East West Medical Society and the chair of the board was a retired physician. He had practiced for like 40 years or something like this, right? And he said, um, you know, in practicing all that time, he found that everyone that came to saw, see him suffered from the same disease. And that disease is loneliness. Right. And he's like, it didn't matter if they're young or retired or whatever. Of course, he practiced in Victoria, BC, so the majority of them were retired, right? Right. And But he said, you know, the thing that is, you know, causing majority of the symptoms and problems in everyone's lives is loss of connections and not feeling uh, a part of, you know, a tribe or, you know, friendships and connections. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, and when we don't, um, when we make ourselves so busy, mm -hmm. That we don't have time for that. We just make ourselves sick. Yeah. yeah. But there's something in there, you know, how he talks about when people can get together and help one another. Sure makes a difference. You know, something about service pulls us out of our, our head and our problems. It helps us to recognize that some other people got things pretty shitty. Mm-hmm. And that maybe my life isn't as bad as I think it is. Right. Not that our symptoms and our problems aren't real. Yeah. But it gets us out of our head long enough to do some good. And when we do that good, you know that feeling when you do something nice for someone? Mm -hmm. It's You can't make that feeling any other way. Yeah. A drug can't replace it. Sex can't replace it. Food can't replace it. It's a different type of feeling, and it's pretty powerful. Because it's it's fulfilling one of the, the base needs as that any organism needs to do to help their species thrive. Yeah. And feeling connected for doing that. And you could say that's a spiritual experience or you can say it's a biological experience, but it doesn't but matter because either way it, it helps you. Yeah. Yeah. Just as powerful. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, for myself, um, some of the things I've done, you know, as an adult to try to make friends, like, you know, I, uh, I do theater right. on the side. I don't do it every year, but every now and then I'll do a show. And I've built some good friendships out of that. Um, it's a good way to find out if you like someone spending that much time with them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you learn pretty quick. Okay. Yeah. That guy, yeah, we're not going to be friends, <laughs> but it uh, gives you opportunities. Yeah. Have you ever, so 
um, in making friends with you or I mean, you've ever had any bad experiences or anything yeah. difficult? Robotics has been difficult because uh, I had a, a friend that went into robotics with me, so I was pretty excited. But during the entire idea of robotics, uh, his friends uh, were kind of assholes, so it was difficult going through robotics when one of my friends, who was a pretty good guy, you know, but he was just surrounded by bad people. So it, it just brought the worst out of him. So the entirety of robotics was just exhausting. So, Oh, no. Yeah. So someone that you were friends with prior, mm-hmm. and then some of his other friends ended up in the robotics class. But they were bad people, so they just brought the worst out of him. And it made me see a side of him that I didn't want to see. Uh-huh. That's weird. Yeah. So he felt he had to, you know, be an ass to hang with the asses. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gee. That's weird. Because people want to feel the, uh, like they're a part of a group. People yeah. want to feel like they belong. So they'll they'll do things that they don't necessarily believe in or agree with just to belong. Yeah. Did you call them out on it? No. <laughs> so who are the new friends you made? Uh, they're in my art class. Okay. Art kids and theater kids are usually mm-hmm. pretty good at making friends. Yeah. Cause they're the kids that usually have difficulties. So when they do, they're, you know, they're usually good kids and makes it a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's something about sports and athletics. It's very aggressive. Yeah. It's the aggressiveness. It's hazing is kind of built in mm-hmm. to it. Um, but robotics isn't like that. No, it, I just got lucky. You just got unlucky because the kids. <laughs> well, I'm glad you made some new friends with art, and they're not ones associated with that other group that you've been hanging out with, are they? No, they are. Oh, so they're they're still friends with the you know the the group you've been hanging out with before. Yeah. Okay, but they're new kids in that group. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. Um. Hmm. Yeah, that's. That's good to know. What anything else you want to share about friendship? Um. Yeah, I, I wanted to quickly comment on uh, uh, streamer houses or clout houses. That's right. You yeah. told me about this. I don't so educate me and the masses because I don't know much about this. So streamer houses, clout houses, whatever you want to call them, it consists of multiple content creators, streamers, uh, people who make online entertainment on services such as youtube or twitch uh so what they do and as a on paper it sounds like a great idea uh, a bunch of people who make content for those sites live in a house together uh to cut down our expenses to help each other make the content but usually it ends up horribly because they're doing it for the money not for the friendship mm-hmm. so most of those houses crumble because they don't properly communicate and they use each other for money. But there are some good ones like the offline TV one. They started off as friends, then move in, uh, moved in with each other instead of like, I'm going to say 90% of the other ones where they moved in with each other and then tried to be friends Mm -hmm. because they saw the profit in it. So this is multiple YouTubers. Mm -hmm. So they have their own channel. Yeah. And then they kind of, reach out to each other and say, Hey, let's get a house together, cut down our expenses. And they move in and then 
so they're still competing. Yeah. So it's not like they have one channel. They've all moved in the house and they're all making this, content and art together. Yeah, they're still competing, but they are working together. Uh-huh. But usually it's really a really toxic place because they aren't communicating properly and they're using each other. Yeah. And what relationships need to be is they need to be full of communication and needs to be give and take. Uh-huh. So you need to give out, you need to help people and receive help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give and take. Yeah. Yeah. But in most of the streamer houses is just take, take, take. Oh, yeah, that's not fun. So what would you, what's the qualities of your ideal friend? I've never thought about that. It's interesting. One thing I, I read a book years ago about just building your dream practice. Mm-hmm. So those that are listening for the first time, or don't know. I'm a doctor of acupuncture. So I have a, a clinic and uh, I've been practicing for almost 17 years this April. And in that, um, in the book, he discusses how one of the things to help build your practice is to write down what your ideal patient is. Right. What's that patient like? What are you treating them for? How do they act? What's their personality? All of that stuff. And so I worked on, really worked to kind of kind of creating what that patient would look like so I could attract or, you know, focus, put my energy out into that patient. Right. And then you recognize those patients as they come. And when those patients come in, those are the ones you're really encouraged to refer mm-hmm. because the chances are that their friends are very much like them or family. Right. So you get more of those people that you like to work with that are easy to work with that bring you joy and you like hanging out with and spending time with. And so probably out of the 4,500 patients we have, you know, um, the majority of them are people I would, I like talking with and hanging out with right. because that's kind of what we worked on attracting. So I do think there's, you know, whether you believe in law of attraction, all those things, you know, those, you know, I may not, I'm not a huge believer in that stuff, but I do think that when you have an understanding an understanding of like who you like to be with, it's easier for you to recognize that person mm-hmm. and, uh, open up to them and be a little more vulnerable and honest and open to make that connection with them. Right. So, um, so what do you think? What, what is it like, do you like extroverted people? I wouldn't say that extroverted people can be exhausting after a certain amount of time. That's what I thought for you. Yeah. Yeah. So more, a little more introverted, Mm -hmm. maybe someone is a little bit more, you know, cause we always need someone to, to push us out of our uh, yeah. uh, bubble to yeah. help us grow as a yeah. person. Like I'm more extroverted than Andy, um, but he is an excellent dude can talk to anyone. Mm-hmm. Super nice, you know, open the doors where I have difficulty making a good first impression and talking with people. Right. Uh, so he's awesome like that. So when we're together, it's this nice balance. Same with Chris. Chris fills that similar role for me as Andy. Um, so yeah, to me, it's, you know, if you can find someone who's you connect with, but also kind of fill in, uh, the gaps or your week, mm-hmm. you know, and then your strengths and benefit them. It's the same as a relationship, you yeah. know, a partner, but friends are the same way. So, okay. Someone who's not as extroverted, <laughs> what else for you? I don't know. Uh, a kind understanding, like someone who can. I'm 
I don't know. Like it's things like that are difficult because you're you're trying to. It's not only about who you go well with. It's it's also also like a a bit about you. Like yeah, what kind of person are you, and how who would you work well with? Mm-hmm. So it's like a it's a difficult question. Yeah, part of it's understanding who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's I tell you that's one of the most important things in this world for anyone is really understanding who you are. What makes you tick? What makes you happy? What makes you sad? What what feeds you? You know, what are the things that, you know, you love putting your energy into? What what things in this world give you energy? So when you do them, it feels like you can do them forever and you never get tired. Like these are the things that help us understand ourselves, but also help us to find those friends, those real friends, those like soulmates that we can connect with and, you know, make, make good lasting relationships with. Like to me, I don't like pranksters. Yeah. I don't like overly aggressive people. Like one thing I didn't like is I had some friends, you know, in high school that they would just go just out of the blue, just punch you in the shoulder or the arm. Or yeah. The jocks, the, the, the dumb little like aggressive physical stuff. Mm-hmm. I never like that. And I think part of it may be, you know, you know, with my temper, I just didn't like it as a kid. Cause then I'm like, okay, what am I, are we getting in a fight? Yeah. <laughs> but also it, you know, I do think I have more of a, you know, softer, maybe compassionate heart. And that just didn't fit well with me. Yeah. I didn't understand it. It didn't make any sense to me. Why, if we're friends, why are you hitting me? Why are you saying these things? Like, uh, saying cruel mean things to try to be funny. Mm-hmm. That pisses me off. I don't like that. I don't like those people. <laughs> Why? Why are you doing that? That doesn't make any sense. You know, people who just aren't confident in themselves. Mm-hmm. So they have to put others down. I hate that. Yeah. You know, it's just like, okay, you need to go fix yourself before you, you know, become a friend because you're hurting. And so why, you know, so you got to hurt others or put them down to make yourself feel better. Yeah. I don't like people like that. And you know, uh, people who think they're like uh, egos, like people with big egos are narcissists or, you know. They're very annoying to deal with. Yeah, have all the answers, things like that. I, I don't, I can't really connect with someone like that either. Yeah. You know, although I am, I am one myself. <laughs> I don't know if I, maybe I am a bit. No, no, I think you are. But, but that, you know, so I, it helps, I guess, understanding those things about myself helps me to know that's you know i can you know like i there's one guy um a few years back you know we seemed to kind of connect as he came in the clinic and everything and kind of cool guy so he loves concerts he's like hey come to this concert with me so i went with him and we had an okay time um but as i got to know him better there was some qualities and stuff i'm like man this is not gonna work out Mm -hmm. we're just on different planets and we're still okay acquaintances, but we've never hung out again after that. Right. And it's just, I don't know. It's I like really honest, vulnerable, uh, genuine people. And if you can't be, if you can't put yourself out there and be honest and kind of vulnerable in a way, I, I have a hard time kind of trusting and connecting with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are some of your pet peeves? What were, you know, that were like certain people you just, I, I couldn't connect with someone like that. I agree with you that egotistical people are, exhausting yeah um i find people that talk a lot and like 
people who love the sound of their own voices. Yeah. Because there's a saying that you can talk forever and say nothing. Yeah. And there are a <laughs> lot of people who do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's those that talk a lot to, uh, you know, I would say I was one of those people when I was younger. Like, uh, um, I'll tell you a story. I remember once I was with, uh, I was actually engaged to this girl and, um, and, you know, I really liked her. I actually think I liked her parents better than even her, but I remember, and, um, you know, I love to tell everyone about what I was doing and what's happening in my life and the cool things going on and stuff like that. And I guess I talked a lot. And I was in the other room one day and she's talking with her mom and they're having it. They, you know, they're planning a dinner or something. And I overheard her mom say that um, it's okay if Jared doesn't come this time just because he just talks too much about himself. Right. And no one had ever said that to me and I wasn't self-aware of it. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. I got like nauseous to think that someone thought that about me Mm -hmm. and that I was, I was that guy. Self-awareness is really important. Oh yeah. And I, I can't say I was particularly very self-aware when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I was like, Oh shit. And then you can see how that affects relationships. Right. I wasn't giving enough people to talk. I was talking about all these things that weren't particularly interesting to other people, but I was just, you know, going off. And, I think there was like a little switch that day, maybe that I tried to be a little more aware of that. And, you know, around those relationships and others, I try to listen more. So, and I think too, some people that talk a lot do it because they're uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and they don't, they're afraid of silence. They're afraid of being alone. Uh, They feel awkward when no one's talking. So they just keep going. Cause I know someone, you know, currently, um and uh she's younger and she just you know i've noticed when i'm around her she's always talking and it's just like you know and it's and again i'm it's just a bit of the jerk me coming through (laughs) that doesn't like it but i think those are some of the roots so it's not always means that someone's you know has a problem it's just there it could be a self-esteem thing or they're just not aware that they do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything else? Any other qualities that you like or dislike? Not that I can think of right now. Yeah. Um, here, I'll, let me show you this little video. And then we're going to talk about making friends, like the steps. Okay. I think this one's kind of funny. Uh, this one is kind of a bit dark humor. So right. don't think that we're saying uh, that this, everything in this video is okay. I just think it's funny. Max and I have a bit of a dark humor. Right. Okay. This is two guys at a doctor's office. How's it going? Oh, good, thanks. You want to be mates? What? You want to be mates? Um, nah. I'm just here for my doctor's appointment. Yeah, but why not? Why not what? Why don't you want to be mates? Oh, because I've already got mates. Yeah, but you can have more. I don't, I don't want any more though. Why would you not want any more mates? You could have heaps of mates. In that case, you'd never run out of... Okay, he's Australian, so mates are friends. Yeah. In case everyone's like, what the hell is that dude saying? <laughs> Stuff to do because you'd have heaps of mates. I barely even see my mates. So what, you're a loner? Yeah. Well, no. 
Like, I've got mates. Like, I've got heaps. Well, who cares? What do you want anyway? To be mates. Yeah, and I said I don't want to be mates. Why? Because I don't need mates. It's alright if you don't have mates, you can tell me. I do have mates. I've got heaps of mates. But you said you don't need mates. I don't. But I've got mates. Like, in case I need them. Oh. Lucky. I don't have any mates. What do you mean? I don't have any mates, that's what I mean. Why not? Because no one wants to be my mate. Why? I don't know. Why don't you want to be my mate? Because, because I've got enough mates. No, the real reason. I, I don't know. Why do you want to find out? Yeah, I guess. Really? No, fuck off! <laughs> Are you serious? Asking me to be your friend at a doctor's appointment, you fucking weirdo? <laughs> Let's go. You got a Jimmy Jackson? Jimmy Jackson? Yo, dog, I'm coming. So he's got a minor cold here. Yeah, 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 but you see the guy over there? He just wanted to be his friend. Yeah. He asked me to be his mate. <laughs> what, at a doctor's appointment? I know. I'm fucking weirdo. I don't know, what is he thinking? So, what's your name? I just want to see if I got you on my list. Barry Clincher? Fuck. What? He's my patient. No. Not anymore. Did you just cross my- You can't do that! I've booked an appointment! I can do whatever okay, I, I want, bitch! I'm a I think doctor! That's good. <laughs> At that point, I can't see it, but I'm, guess, I'm guessing it gets very visual. <laughs> no, no. Oh. <laughs> it's the same thing. But <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just I just shared that one as an example of, you know, <laughs> when it's There's a right and a wrong time There's to make right friends. There's a right and wrong way to make friends. <laughs> When we're younger, Just begging someone to make friends in a doctor's appointment—that is pretty fucking weird. <laughs> Sorry, everyone, if we offended anybody. <laughs> I don't think we offended anyone. I don't think anyone walks into a doctor's appointment and begs someone to be their friend. Yeah. So there's a right and a wrong way. Of course, it always starts with saying hello, mm -hmm. but I think. Um, you know, that first step is hard, you know, but if you, if you, you know, I guess you can look at it two ways, right? There's those that if someone looks lonely and they're alone, you know, uh, especially at school, it's a little easier mm -hmm. to see when someone would want friends, but they just don't know what to do. Little kids are really good at this, at finding those kids and, Hey, want to come play? All right. I want to do this. It's not easy. Um, but you know, as in a, I know myself as an adult, just talking with someone and like, when I talk with patients, it's crazy how many things they get into and you get to learn about them. Mm -hmm. And I know there's some where you're like, okay, just from this small conversation, I can tell that there's some things that we kind of connect with. I like your sense of humor, you know, this or that. It's interesting. There a was, lot of it's listening. Yeah. 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 There's something I learned a while back. They did research asking people about the qualities that make uh, them kind of attracted to someone as a friend, you know, feel connected. Like, like, oh, I want to be friends with that person. All these different qualities they went through and they tested, a, you know, a number of people in a study. Number one was people who swear. Like, if you swear, there's a greater chance you have friends. Or people feel like they want to be your friend. Right, because you're a lot more down-to-earth, yeah. relatable, that kind of thing. I think you're. I think one of the number one keys is vulnerability and honesty. Mm -hmm. And if you... If you're so uptight that you don't allow yourself to swear, that, that shows that you're 
like a really uptight person you don't want to share anything about yourself yeah either you're not being real and honest or you're judgy or whatever you know you don't have to swear all the time but you know a little bit of flowery funny language helps it just helps people know that oh oh this person's real Mm -hmm. this person's open uh i think vulnerability being a little honest about your weaknesses or the stuff you're struggling with or you know you know all of that um but there's a time and a place yeah there's a time and a place um and you know so when you start those discussions you know like i've been asked by patients you know to uh um hang out with them outside of the office mm-hmm. you know where they tell oh they can tell that we connect and have different things and you know, and I have here and there when I have time, but I get a lot of friends requests on Facebook from patients. Right. Sometimes I don't know how I feel about that. Now that I don't hardly post anything on Facebook anymore, I don't care. Right. <laughs> but I usually try to get them to just follow me on Instagram or something. But it's, um, yeah, it's really interesting, uh, you know, going through those steps. But there's definitely some wrong ways to make friends yeah. <laughs> and to start that out. Uh, we're not necessarily going to do a class on the best way to make friends, but um, I, I do think it's those qualities. What 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 do you? What are the things that you've done that you felt helped you make friends? I say I'm a fairly kind person, and that understanding and listening to people's problems make them more likely to want to be your friend, and. It's not always good to make it about them. Mm-hmm. It like as you said multiple times, it's give and take. Yeah, but actually listening to someone's problems and kind of helping them through that will make you more likely to make friends. Mm-hmm. Like truly listening to people. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So let's have a challenge for each of us. And next episode, we'll share with everyone how our challenge went. Okay. We're going to try to make a new friend. What do you think? Sure. Okay. Or at least attempt. Right. Just start something up or set something up or, you know. And like go through the process yeah. and see like Actually, what, what works. Yeah. And that doesn't necessarily mean we're going to find that opportunity in the next week. Mm-hmm. But if something comes up, then we could talk about it next week, right? Yeah, and see like what we did right, what happened. Yeah, and what it was like, and if like, hey, this could go somewhere. Because usually I, you don't pay attention on what you're doing in your daily life. Yeah. So you don't know what works. Well, and the whole thing with just about anything in your life, if you're not looking for it, it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. You don't recognize it. It's the same like if you want to do acts of service and kind things. If you're going through your busy life with blinders on, you don't recognize that person needs help. Yeah. When you're looking for it, there's plenty of opportunities to do kind things and help people out. And I think it's the same with making friends. You know, we talk about it. Oh, it'd be nice to have friends, but if you don't, the human mind is very looking, narrow. Yeah. If you're not actively searching out, you know, connections or friendships and those things that, cause the wildest thing, someone may be playing a song. You're like, oh, I love that song. I really like that song too. I'm going to talk to that person. Or, hey, don't you love this song? You know, Reminds me of this or whatever. So let's try that. Right. Okay. So someone that is not associated with our current friend group. 
someone totally, you know, right. kind of outsider. I, I, I know you don't have a heck of a lot of opportunity because there's not really social time at school right now with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of limited to those two classes and maybe lunchtime. But I don't know. Or if there's someone you've kind of seen, you know, around the periphery and you're like, I don't know. Should I go talk to that person? Should I get to know them? You know, right. Maybe an opportunity. So I'm going to try it this week. Are you willing to try it out? Okay. And then if anything happens, we'll share it next week with everyone about how it went. Okay. Was that a little Casio blip? (laughs) I accidentally pressed a button. (laughs) I asked Max what he wanted for Christmas. And, and I just said, and uh, he said, I want a Casio watch. I just want a watch and a zipper lighter. That's yeah. <laughs> Cause I've wanted those two things for a while. That is so cool. Well, they were pretty cheap, so it didn't mm-hmm. cost me a whole lot. They've actually, <laughs> you know, everyone, how much money people spend on watches, thousands of dollars. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, your, your lighter costs more than your watch. Yeah. <laughs> and like, that's the cool watches when I was in elementary school. <laughs> That's hilarious. All right. Well, this was, uh, this was fun. Yeah. Again, you know, uh, for those listening, you know, um, this is one of our ways that Max and I, you know, communicate, catch up and, you know, uh, it's good to set aside time to talk. Yeah. 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 And uh, what better way to get your kid to talk than put a microphone in front of them. <laughs> I don't think that's a, <laughs> that could be very suspicious. Like you're yeah. trying to get some out of them. Yeah. It's so funny. Like I, um, I, I, I don't know much about t- TikTok, mm-hmm. but I've seen, you know, whether it's like in Instagram or whatever, all these TikTok videos where you can tell parents are setting their kids up or doing things to try to make funny videos with their kids. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my goodness. How embarrassing. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's sad. Yeah. Let's, let's use our kids for likes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Things are getting weird. <laughs> anyway. Thanks it's, for it's like with the Jimmy Kimmel with the, oh, the Halloween the, candy. Yeah. I don't like that. I don't like sweaty Kimmel. Sweaty Kimmel. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a running gag where people just call him sweaty Kimmel. That's funny. I haven't heard that one yet. Yeah, he's a good man, but he's got a funny, you know, that skit. I'm he's, not sure how that one. He goes. does a couple weird things. Yeah. That's a bit mean spirited. <laughs> yeah, I don't like that. All right. So one other thing, too, we haven't said yet is we got to do a shout out to all our fans in India. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's if, up, everybody? Can we can we check the analytics again? Because I'm really interested to see. Oh, let me check. Right here. Let's pull up the analytics, everybody. Yeah, so those that don't know, when you are on, when you have a podcast, you get all this interesting information from your analytics on what countries are listening to your podcast. And one thing that uh, we were blown away with, like we've we've had um, seven, oh, hang on, how many shows do we have? Okay, so if we go up. We're just going to check the last. Um, all time. Here we go. Okay. So. Oh, it's changed now. All right. <laughs> so we're in Canada. Right. And for like the first um, six episodes or whatever we did. 
It was mainly people from India. Our main listeners are from India. Now it's changed. Now it's Canada. So we have Canada, India, United States, South Africa, United Kingdom, Pakistan. But it was like really surprising that in the beginning it was people from India listening to us. Germany, Nigeria, Angola, Brazil, Ecuador. So that's a lot of that's that's a a lot lot of countries. countries. Yeah. And uh, that's pretty varied. You know, that's a that's four countries in Africa alone. Which blows my mind. Yeah. Um, Brazil and Ecuador, too. That's that's wild. But yeah. Number two is India. And um, I think that's kind of wild. I like yeah. it. Um, but uh, yeah. So shout out to you guys. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, if anyone, um, you know, part of our mission with this whole podcast is, is to, to help, help people, help parents communicate with their kids. So we are open to any uh, topics mm-hmm. that you want us to share or any questions you want to share. Uh, if you um, go and rate us on uh, any of the podcasts, you know, especially Apple, uh, I think that's the main um, service. Um, yeah, Apple Podcasts, uh, you know, stuff like that. And then Google's next. If you rate us, we'll read your rating on the show. Mm-hmm. And we have an Instagram. It's Really Dead Podcast. Uh, you can send us a message there and yeah. we'll try and help you here. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, again, uh, you can go back through some of the episodes. This one is pretty low key. Mm-hmm. Usually, Max uses about 70 F bombs every episode. So good on you, Max, to, you know, settle things down. COVID high five. And, uh, yeah, we just uh, we have a lot of fun with it. So the more interaction we get, the the crazier things. If there's any topic or any video or you know something you want to share with us, like on our sex education video, the video we watched and listened to was pretty freaking hilarious. Mm-hmm. So if there's anything you want to share like that, we can uh, do an episode on it. But uh, great, uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we will see you next week. Yes, yeah. All right, bye, bye, bye. <laughs>